phones, aka flip phones. So think your old Nokia brick phone, uh, your Motorola Razor that many of us had. What is what is causing the return of these flip phones? And is this something that we're going to see more and more people embracing? We're going to get into it right now with our guest, who's a lecturer in the Ted Rogers School of Retail Management at Toronto Metropolitan University, Omar Fares. Omar, thanks so much for making the time. Hey, thank you for having me. Okay, let's talk a little bit about this this newfound popularity of dumb phones. What What is driving this? Is this actually a return of dumb phones, or is this just a trend? So I'll tell you this. Um, I don't think um, smartphones are done, uh, per se, uh, but I will tell you this. Some people, especially, and it's surprising for me, younger generations are tired. They need some sort of, um, and what I call the digital detox, Um, Time to step away from their phones. Um, And more and more on this, I see it in class all the time. Attention spans are going lower and anxiety is going up. And people want an outlet another way. Can you speak to that a little bit more about this digital detox that we find ourselves really needing? I mean, there's a there's a lot of components to this. There's there's evidence that looking at your phone late at night can interrupt your sleep patterns and even your digestive system. I mean, it can have a really detrimental effect on you. And so our younger generation sort of realizing that, hey, we don't really necessarily want to be a part of that. Yeah, yeah, that's about it. And let me actually tell you a little bit more on this. And this whole movement, I guess, or small, uh, started as a very kind of small movement. It was a Reddit forum. It kind of caught my attention. And I said, okay, let's see where this goes. But um, over time, and if you look at Google Trends, uh, the trend or looking flip phones uh, actually going higher and higher for a wealth of reasons. So let me tell you, I guess, a few. One is sleep, and that's a big one. You know, I'm guilty of it too. You know, before you go to sleep, mm-hmm. you scroll on your phone, and you know, a few minutes, a few scrolls, and you know, kind of uh, something catches your eye, etc. But then that blue light that that disturbs sleep patterns, and that has a hell a wealth of health issues. So that's one. But then one of the big ones, and I've been noticing this in classrooms more and more, is attention spans, right? You cannot, or a lot of people now, actually, including myself, can focus on a subject matter for a very longer period of time, for a long period of time, right? And that has, again, wealth of issues associated with it. So I guess an alternative some people are beginning to think of, especially younger generations, is to say, well, hey, We need that digital detox, which is the process of saying it's a period of time, and I'll define this as a defined period of time where maybe I put technology away for a bit at an acceptable cheaper cost. I will still do the things that, you know, I need to do, make phone calls, text someone, be connected like how we used to be, but maybe bring it down a little bit, bring it down a notch, right? And I think that's actually... In a way, I think it's a healthy phenomenon. I, I agree with you. I'd be inclined to agree, but I wonder, too, if it might backfire and end up just being yet another device that you're using. Because, you know, as you mentioned on the outset, smartphones aren't necessarily going anywhere. And so now you're you're trying to detox yourself from your smartphone by introducing more technology. And I wonder if that's going to just have the opposite effect. You know what? And, and I think it's interesting. Yeah, I said this at the end of a recent article I wrote. And what I think is... People are not ready to give their phones up. And to your point, this is a challenge. 
you know, to ask someone to give your phone up with all the information, all the power, it is a serious challenge. And, you know, the ideal, and here's how I think the ideal version of this would look like. A period of time where a commitment is made to say, you know what, I'm going to get one of those flip phones. My phone is located or maybe left in a physical space and I would use it as I go. But I see the challenge. I see it as a possible challenge to say, well, now I have two phones, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But the good news is the flip phones, they're not very smart. So, and they're not very costly. So I think the risk versus possible rewards is uh, reasonable here. It's. I think it's. It confronts the 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 addiction, or maybe the borderline addiction that a lot of people have with their smartphones. And you know, you describe a very familiar situation for a lot of people. You go on TikTok at the end of the night, and you know, it's it's just endless scrolling, and so much time can go by, and you're spent. You're spending so much of your life on your on your phone, and so I mean, I think it is definitely something that we need to balance. But I wonder if this is if this is the right approach or if it's really confronting the fact that many people just really need to draw clearer boundaries with their smartphone, maybe not by getting a flip phone, but by realizing yeah, what's what's a healthy amount of usage. You know what? And I, and I think looking at this trend, uh, and that's why I posed the conversation forward, this trend is a positive one. If the answer is flip phones, great. If the answer is an alternative way, great. But I think to some degree, I guess from a societal standpoint, we need to really step back and see or assess our relationship with technology. Mm -hmm. And if a movement is started by younger generations, and actually I was very happy to see that Gen Z is jumping on top of this because it shows that there is some sort of, um, I guess, awareness that there is an issue and there isn't a serious one by the way a serious issue at hand of smartphones and how can we draw proper boundaries with these technologies and you know i talk a lot about new technologies and the benefits but there are serious harms so i guess we're what we're posing forward is i guess the conversation with ideas and i think flip phones if it's a start okay great but Mm -hmm. doesn't have to necessarily be the answer i think the answer is somewhere in between where there is there needs to be clear boundaries when are phones used how are they used and let me tell you in my classrooms they're not to be used I can only imagine how frustrating that would be for an educator to look down and see kids or students on their phones and try to teach around that. It would be so difficult, let alone, you know, if you're a parent and you're trying to manage behavior on a phone. I think we are really at a, at a, cru- a, a crucial moment right now, though, when it comes to reframing our, our behavior and our attachment to our phones, because this hasn't always been normal. It's really only been normal for uh, maybe a handful of years for us to be, you know, this attached to them. So, you know, can we maybe change our habits? Maybe now is a good time to try to approach that yes and i think everyone has a role you know educators in their classrooms you know teachers parents etc everyone has some sort and individuals have has have roles in defining well what are what are the parameters because this addiction of holding a phone in your hand and you know what's interesting too the habitual movement of drawing on your phone and some people have this automatically you'd have your phone in your pocket you wouldn't look at anything you'll just draw the phone out 
and then you put it back in your pocket. Yes, right? yes. It's a habitual movement. It's, um, and that's actually part of that, I guess, idea of um, addiction, you may say, or right, if it can be framed as some sort of addiction for that matter, not in a clinical sense, but, you know, uh, in that sense, right? It's very much become normal in, to some degree for so many people. Omar, I want to talk a little bit more about, you know, whether it's reframing our relationship to our smartphones right now. Maybe it's adopting a, a flip phone or a dumb phone. Why nostalgia plays so much into the draw of a flip phone or a dumb phone? I want to get into that in just a second with you, but we do have to take a very short break. We'll be very fast. We're going to come right back into this conversation. Our guest is Omar Fares, lecturer in the Ted Rogers School of Retail Management at Toronto Metropolitan University. Is there a rise? in dumb phones, a.k.a. flip phones. So we'll get back into it in three minutes. Hey, welcome back. We're talking about dumb phones. And you might be a millennial if you know exactly what that term means. Cody from Tofield sent us a text saying, yeah, I laughed really hard when you said dumb phones. I'm 36-year-old. Um, I'm a 36-year-old millennial, excuse me, and I totally understood what you said. He says, I've got a dumb TV that I needed to connect an Apple TV to make it a smart TV. So yeah, dumb phones. Think like your Nokia brick phone that maybe was your first ever phone or your Motorola Razor. Are they making a return as many people and many younger people are trying to get themselves on a bit of a digital detox and break the bad habits that we have with our phones? Our guest has written a great article about this for theconversation.com. He's a lecturer in the Ted Rogers School of Retail Management at Toronto Metropolitan University. Omar Fares, Omar, thank you so much for sticking around and hold. Really appreciate your time this afternoon. Thank you, Chelsea. So let's talk a little bit about nostalgia and how it plays into some of the decisions that we make, because certainly I think nostalgia plays a big role in people being interested in these phones again. For a lot of people, this was their first ever cell phone, and so that brings back a lot of memories. Nostalgia is pretty powerful, isn't it? Oh, very powerful. It's a very complex um, emotion also. Um, and I guess in a nutshell, we can look at nostalgia as um, reconnecting um, with perceived happy memories of some sort of an idealized path. You know, it's, um, you know, when people think sometimes of the past, some will say, you know, terms like, you know, the good old days, this brings back great memories, right? The, to clarify, nostalgia doesn't necessarily mean the memories were all amazing. You know, when you think of flip phones, there are so many inconveniences at the time, right? But as um, nostalgia is brought up, and as time passes, when one looks back, some sort of an idealized look of how the past was in that mm-hmm. sense, right? Now, let me tell you how powerful nostalgia is to your point. Um, it's so powerful that it's um, a marketing strategy, in a sense, right? It's, there is a stream of research on nostalgia marketing. And that stream of research, in, in a nutshell, what nostalgia marketing is, it's um, the process of connecting with customers through drawing on past experiences that were positive with them to draw connection with them, right? So it's a very, I guess, um, very strong uh, motive to why people would look at technology and say, I am interested, right? So, yes, technology, uh, nostalgia is very, very powerful, powerful in kind of uh, making that push to use the technology or reuse, I guess, the technology for that matter. 
Yeah, it's interesting what you're describing because, you know, even thinking back to those first initial phones, yeah, it does bring sort of this memory back of, of fondness and excitement. But then when you really think about it, you know, I don't want to go back to texting using T9. That was awful. It took forever. And now we have so much more at our fingertips. I don't necessarily want to go back there. But the initial nostalgia pull is, is intriguing. So I wonder if this will work. Is this actually going to be a trend that we're going to see? Are, are we seeing actual sales of these dumb phones or flip phones actually increasing right now? Yes. Yes, it's interesting. Yes, we are. Uh, not in the ma- manner that would say this is the movement. You're going to walk around seeing people with flip phones. Um, so Nokia just made an advertisement um, recently about one of uh, their flip phones. And you know, I was reading through the comment sections, and it's mostly what you're saying. It's, you know, some people say, ah, oh, this was, you know, this brings back the good old memories. And, you know, I'm buying one just for the fun of it. Right. Um, and I guess some people are buying it for the fun of it, you know, if, um, if money allows. And it's not very costly. Um, so what I'm guessing is the next step, uh, based on what we see, there will be a growing movement, and I think the movement will grow, and will continue to grow reasonably. Smartphone sales are, are not halting. They're not slowing down, so it's not that big of a movement that it's impacting smartphone sales. Uh, but what I'm anticipating is some companies may dabble in the market of digital detox and advertising the process of, you know, we're providing an option that is cheap in cost that will, you know, help you stay connected at the same time, you know, well, it does the basic function. So I think more and more, we actually may see more people with the idea of two phones or that's one possible trajectory of what might happen next. The other possible trajectory is, well, people will start to come more of the conversation of, uh, you know, yeah, flip phones are great, but to your point, uh, I don't want to carry two phones. What is a healthy alternative? Mm-hmm. How can we as society start to control this? And this is the conversation, you know, I think needs a lot of voices uh, of, well, how do we control this as society? Because as it stands, and that's my view on it, it has already got out of hand. You know, there is, there is, um, uh, what's it called, the neck, um, I think it's a cell phone or the, you know, the excessive looking at the cell phone, it causes uh, a problem with the neck. It's a text neck, they call it, yes. Right, and like, and fingers too, carpal tunnel, tunnel in people's thumbs and, you know, problems with eyes too. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean, it's really damaging us. Yeah, we, we have reached this point. We're not reaching that point. We have reached that point. So it's a discussion of, well, wait a second. Can we stop and think, how can we go back? Yeah. And I'm so glad that there is an active discussion. You know, people are connecting, and I've seen a lot of comments in my recent article. Some people are happy that this is happening, and I'm very happy that people are engaged in the discussion. I think we need to have a more active role. Oh, every individual in their area because this is serious this is very serious not a lot of people may see it yet but this is very serious well omar i'm so glad that you could come on and uh share your work and your perspective uh you've been great thank you Thank you, Chelsea. I appreciate having me. Of course, of course. Take care. That's Omar Fares, lecturer in the Ted Rogers School of Retail Management at Toronto Metropolitan University, talking about our relationship with technology. Do we need to create some better boundaries? Arguably, most of us probably do.